Princess here, and welcome to another episode of Bye Pumpkin. Y'all will never fucking believe what happened to me this week. Um, I just had a coworker like download me on everything everyone at my job has been saying behind my back. Wait, the way I put that makes it sound like uh, she was just like, and nobody likes you. No, it was just all really, really, really nice things about how amazing people think I am, how one, which made me nervous, right? You compliment me. My first thought is like, what are you doing behind your back that I can't see? Like, when are you going to stab me? Why would you say those nice things to me if you weren't going to also steal my identity and my liver? So like, I was really nervous. But then she said, yeah. And she mentioned these two people that got into like a kind of a loud argument. And one of them yelled like in a serious tone, not sarcastically, because I checked. I was like, maybe he was like, you know, that was sarcasm. She was like, no, it was not. One of them yelled, well, I'm not a saint like princesses. And I'm like, why do you think I'm, I'm a terrible person, guys. I talk to you about this all the time. My moral compass does not point, point due north. I want to lie all the time. I want to cheat all the time. I want to steal all the time. I want to set people up for crimes they did not commit. I have personally framed a dog for eating Chipotle. I did so that I could have more Chipotle. I've done these things. I do. And I the reason I know I'm not a good person is because if I were a good person, it wouldn't be this hard for me to do nice things. You know what I mean? I wouldn't I wouldn't struggle so much with it. If I were a good person, like, so I know personally, I can't have weapons. The reason I can't have weapons is because I have a temper. And if I had a weapon, I would brandish it and also use it. Can you imagine if I had a gun? I'd be shooting people in traffic accidents. I'd just be, I'd be shooting all kinds of people. My husband been shot 40 fucking times this week. Not a good person, but what it reminded what it reminded me of is this: is that because of the pandemic, I don't. I started working there in the pan, in the pandemic, and so they don't really see me. Okay, I have to come in for meetings. I have to do certain things, but they don't work next to me. They haven't done it. Like they don't know what I'm really like. And so what happens is that they see this fat black chick, you know, she's adopted a bunch of fucking kids, seems quiet, doesn't eat anybody's lunch in there. I wouldn't because I don't know, personally, I don't know who washes their hands and who doesn't, so I wouldn't do that anyway. Uh, They haven't heard my diatribe about potlucks. They don't fucking know me. They don't fucking know me. So someone can yell, someone can be like, well, I'm not a saint like princess. And and like be serious about that. Because they don't fucking know me. You guys know me though. You guys listen to me every fucking week. Most of you do. Some of you do. A few of you do. I don't know. I don't always look at the numbers. But um, yeah, like I, hopefully none of them listen to this podcast, you know. And, I, and I'm also reminded not to tell that person that just told me all that shit anything because obviously they can't keep a fucking secret. So, 
So obviously we'll never tell him about this podcast. But but yeah, I just appreciate that you guys listening and that you let me tell you wild shit and you just you ride with it. You don't you don't go, well, wow, that's not what I was expecting coming from that chick. Um so like just like what's up right now? I'm behind on everything, behind on every single thing in my life. Work, kid stuff, the deck, uh home shit, my bathroom is just out of control. Um, my bedroom is terrible. I mean, at least I have clean sheets. I know I have clean sheets because I just cleaned them. Because what happened is that I was, I said, let me wash these fucking sheets. And I have several pairs of sheets like everybody else does. Like, I'm, I'm not rocking one pair of sheets. But I prefer white. And the other white ones I had, like, it was a deal. So I just wanted to wash these and put them back on there. So what do you know? I wash these fucking sheets. I'm putting them back on the bed. My husband walks in my bedroom, sits down on the bed that I just put the fitted sheet on. Like nothing, I haven't even put the duvet inside the cover yet or none of that shit. I just put the fitted sheet. He gets up, he's watching TV, he's watching whatever I'm watching on there. And my husband doesn't watch TV. He just watches what I watch and smiles at it. And he gets up. Why is there a bunch of like, tire grease or mud or something on on the bed he's only been there for 10 seconds i look at the i look at this black shit all over my bed and i look at him and he goes i don't know where that came from i came from you motherfucker came from you so then (laughs) i had to take this shit back off and wash it and i had to wash everything because if you wash one part of it by itself it gets worn more like you got to wash them all together so I know I have clean sheets because I had to rewash those bitches because fucking pig pen walked in the fucking house and had the nerve to sit on my fucking bed. Like, I don't know. I don't know if it's a common thing. This is a common thing among black people. So I don't know if it's like a common thing around the world, but like you don't sit on my bed in outside clothes. You don't even, you don't even sit on my bed in outside clothes. You certainly wouldn't get in my bed. Like you wouldn't do anything like that, but my husband's level of home training is suspect and I had to teach him how to sleep in pajamas when I met him. So I don't know if he forgot, but I don't know what happened. I don't, you know, I do know what happened. He got zoned out by what I was watching on the TV and just absentmindedly sat. That's what fucking happened. I don't fucking know. So I know I have all that to say. I know I, I know I have clean sheets, but other than that, my life is wild. I'm behind on every fucking thing. Um, so if you sent me a message, if you tweeted at me, if you did any of that shit, shh, I will get to it soon. I promise. But I don't have, I'm, I am behind on everything. I got side gigs I'm supposed to do. I got an, uh, an optometrist, what's that word? Optometrist appointment tomorrow for everybody in my entire fucking family. I know they're sick. I know when I made that appointment, they were like, this bitch, this bitch, she wants seven appointments. <sighs> So I got to do that tomorrow. I got kid therapy on Sunday. Kid therapy is actually not too bad because like I've told you guys before, the therapist comes to the house and I can do, I usually get projects done while everyone's doing their sessions. So like on Sunday, I'm going to clean out my refrigerator and my pantry and make a very good shopping list that I can knock out on Monday. Uh, I just like... Like, whole-ass projects I haven't started. And I know I'm going to want to get paid. 
I know when the, when it's time for the money, I'm going to be like, well, where's the money? But I haven't started the Friday. So I'm behind. But one thing I did today, because <laughs> um, I just had to write down a bunch of shit. I just had to do a dump list real quick. I have a... I have a running to-do list that I use in reminders on iOS. Uh, that's new. I usually, I used to have a bullet journal that I was keeping, but I kind of like took a break from it. But, and did this reminder setup. So I have those things, but I'd like kind of like fuck some shit up. So it's when you have all these whirly things around in your hand, and you're like, I have too much to do and I don't even fucking know where to start. You make a dump list. And that's just like dump every fucking thing that's in your head right now onto this page. So I did that and then I was able to knock like a few things off. Like I had to go get feeder fish for this fish that my husband's having an affair with in the aquarium. It's a long story. Fish is in love with my husband. My husband's in love with the fish. Uh, so I had to go get the feeder fish for that fish. And just like a bunch of little things to do, right? And like today, my nine-year-old went to school without his taking his ADHD medicine and he needs it badly. So... <laughs> Like, I just saw it on the counter. I had to drive to the fucking school and be like, can you please send him out here so I can give him his medication? And let me tell you what, you want me to give him his medication because if I don't give him his medication, y'all gonna have a bad day. So, <laughs> yeah, I, I, I'm, his teacher and I have an open line of communication. So there has been times before he forgot his medication and she's just been like, you know, I just talked to my son's name and he told me he didn't take his medication today and, it was, and uh it's obvious <laughs> and I was like oh, I'm coming I'm coming I when I first got him as a foster kid the first time he went to school like uh he was in first grade that's the the first day of school he went to with me and that teacher did not believe in ADHD like she didn't think it existed because we went to an IEP, which is the individual education plan, which is what you, it's a, you know, it's a setup that you get when you have uh, certain things in Texas. I don't know what they call other places. But, uh, so it's a meeting where we decide what the accommodations are going to be. And you can call the meeting time you want to and change the accommodations. And it's basically to what do we need to do to give this kid um, what he needs in school. So I went to the IEP. It's a lot of paperwork. It's a lot of blah, 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 blah. Um, and the teacher was just like, yeah, I just, you know, it just seems like they didn't have ADHD when I was a kid. And I don't, you know, where it came from. And it just seems like basically a roundabout way of saying ADHD is made up. By the way, this teacher was like fucking 80 years old. Babe, they didn't have electricity when you were a kid. But electricity exists. Here it is. Okay. They didn't have a lot of shit. Probably didn't even have fucking penicillin. But you believe in penicillin, don't you? What, what the fuck? So, so it's fine. And I was also new at IEPs and I was new at, like, that IEP was my first IEP ever. And I was new at, like, kids in school. I was new at a bunch of shit. And so I was just like, okay, um, you know, I just let it happen. And... Uh, it just got to the point where like some stuff had changed with my work that my husband was dropping them off at school and I was picking them up. <sighs> my husband was doing a terrible job of dropping them off. Some like, first of all, my kids are eating two breakfasts every morning 
and second alcohol. And then when they didn't eat two breakfasts every morning, one at school and one at home, they ate no breakfasts because my husband woke up late. Like all kinds, he was just doing a fuck. If he was a babysitter, I would have fired him. <laughs> but one morning he forgot to give my baby his medicine. And I got this message from the teacher that was like, uh, homie is different. And I was like, yeah, he's different, isn't he? And she was like, uh, is there some sort of medication he's supposed to have? And I was like, what's he doing? And she told me what he was doing. I was like, oh, he doesn't have his medication. And she was like, uh, are you going to come to give him? I was like, oh, no, ADHD doesn't exist, bitch. <laughs> Don't worry about it. That ADHD doesn't exist. There you go. See how he does it for you today. And it wasn't good. <laughs> I don't know if I made her a believer, but anyway, I'll have to say I took his medicine up there because I was like, eh, you know what? Let's let everybody have a good day today. So I took it up there to him. Um, what are you talking about? Oh, the dump list. So I was doing all kinds of shit around here. And like I said, if I owe you something, I will get it to you. I plan to be semi caught up by Sunday night so that Monday I can start off fresh. Um, but we shall see. So one of the things I really wanted to do was make my bed today. Not make my bed. Excuse me. I make my bed every day. Uh, if you make your bed, the room looks cleaner, which, <laughs> which gives you the which gives you a false illusion that you have done something in there, and it just looks better and it makes you feel better. I don't know how to explain this any further. I feel like I'm talking to one of my children. Just make your bed; it'll make you feel better. It'll 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 change the, how the whole fuck room. I promise you, if you just make this bed. We're, it's going to feel like you're light years ahead of where you were. But anyway, my bed was made. But I, what I really want to do is clean my room. And by clean, uh, go over to my husband's side of the bed. I don't let his side of the bed be close to the door because he's messy over there. So, like, I don't know, pick up his clothes that he's put on his side that you can't see from the door. Um, anything on his dresser or anything, like, on his bedside table, get that shit. Uh, sometimes there might be, I don't know, chips over there because motherfucker likes to eat in bed. So get all that, um, uh, dirty clothes, like just things to do in there. Just like tidy up this fucking room so that every time you come in here, it doesn't make you feel like you're in a crack house. So while I was doing that, I put on Sex in the City, um, the movie, because I've, I've been rethinking about, I've been thinking about rewatching the series. So I was like, oh yeah, it's on Hulu. All right, I'll, I'll watch it. So I put it on and I was like, oh. I forgot about this fucking show. I, guys, isn't it interesting that, because in the movie, Carrie's 40. I'm 40. There's no motherfucking way I'd marry somebody willingly right now. No way. I, I've said this before, but for, there might be new listeners there, there, out there or whatever, but having a partner is very good. The less money you have, the more it's very good to have a partner. Because if you have a partner and the two of you live together, you can live in a one-bedroom apartment for much cheaper than one person can live in a one-bedroom apartment. Food is cheaper. by It's just cheap. It, combining finances with another person really does give, like, changes a lot of things for you when you don't really have a lot of money. And that's why... Being married, being in a long-term relationship that with someone you live with is is excellent for a lot of poverty is is centered around single mothers um, 
who don't get paid as much as as men do, who don't have a partner to pick up slack for certain things, who don't have two incomes for the house. And if you can partner up in that that way, you can give yourself a like a little boost. Great. I don't know why rich people get married. I don't, I mean, religious reasons, obvious. So if, if, if you're very religious, that's an obvious reason your religion tells you to get married. But if you're not, especially a rich woman, I don't know why you get married. I really don't. And I was, and not that I think Carrie's like rich. Like she's obviously a very privileged person, but her, she's not a rich person at all. Uh, Big is a rich person, but I don't think that Carrie's a rich person. Either way, I was just thinking like, if I were 40 years old, would I be willing to like legally attach myself to somebody? No, I wouldn't. I wouldn't. If I had the financial stability I have right now, if I had that in my 20s, I wouldn't be married to my husband. We would be going 15 years strong in separate apartments, still dating. I just got like at 40... There is nothing I desire less than to combine my household with someone. And I understand that, that I'm not everybody. I get it. But I just feel like when I think about that show and I think about their ages, they're in their mid to late 30s. Um, besides, I think Samantha's like, what, 10 years older than everybody? Maybe nine or eight. They talk about men a lot. And I don't mean they talk about sex. To be honest, the sex they talk about is in relation to men. They, this, with the exception of Samantha, they are all having sex to be with men as opposed to being with men to have sex. You see the difference there? And so even though it's called sex in the city, it's the, the, they're really talking about men all the time. And imagine me being in my late thirties, caring that much about fucking men. Or women, anybody, a partner at all. I just think it's so interesting that they're like, I don't know. I don't think they could have done it this in, in 2021. I don't know. You know, I, I think of, I use this bad metaphor. I don't know. I, I record too many podcasts. But I use this bad metaphor a couple of podcasts ago about, I mean, I, I know zero about sailing boats or water. But for some reason, I want to use a metaphor about sailing. But like, your 20s is for going wherever the wind takes you. Take, having experiences, checking out this island, seeing what it feels like in this ocean, just doing the thing. And your 30s is when you set sail, is when you set the course. You use all those experiences you just had and now you set the course for what you want to do. Don't ask me what the 40s are. I'll probably figure it out by the time I'm in my 60s. But so watch when I think about sex in the city and I might rewatch it because maybe my impression is is off you know these women are in their mid to late 30s having experiences like they're in their mid to late 20s and having the exact same problems like some of the shit Carrie goes through I'm like you didn't learn that already what were you doing in your 20s what were you doing in your 20s girl I I don't know. It is. I, I'm watching the movie and just lot, all kinds of things don't make sense to me. Um, I really don't fit into this group. But if I, if you force me into that group, I'd be a Miranda because, because <laughs> I hate everything <laughs> and I don't want to do anything. And I'm kind of like I'm a curmudgeon. That's what I am. So, but I don't know. Like I definitely when I had sex like a Samantha. 
I just, I looked for sex and had sex with who I wanted to. And the relationships were separate things. Um, I was not looking. So maybe if I was on the show, I'd be a Samantha. Because they'd be like, oh, look at Princess doing, not calling people. I mean, why would I? (laughs) Whatever, whatever. So I was watching a movie and I was just like thinking about the movie and I forgot that they blamed uh, Charlotte getting diarrhea on like drinking Mexican water. And I'm like, that's not why she got diarrhea. She got diarrhea because the bitch went to fucking Mexico and ate pudding three meals a day for a week. That's why she shit on herself. (laughs) Because she's full of fucking pudding. Ugh. (laughs) It's terrible fucking writing. Um... Just, you know, it's, 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 it's a cautionary, the movie, the whole movie is a cautionary tale in not letting children play with your phones. I don't let my kids play with my phones. Don't touch my phone. The only time they ever touch my phone is to say, mommy, I, I got your phone off the table and here it is. Do not look at my phone. Don't ask me to play videos on my phone. This is my phone. You get your phone. Oh, you're a child. You don't have a phone. I don't do that. And so they let Lily play with the phone. Like they, they let her open like call like answer calls on the phone or whatever and so she she, this is charlotte's adopted daughter she has another girl named rose later and she says and so lily answers carrie's phone and then puts the phone in the purse or something like that and that's the reason she can't take the phone calls from big where he's not feeling like where he's like having cold feet and i just wish this movie like first of all grow the fuck up big this is your third marriage don't act like you ain't never been to the show and, I mean, I don't think you guys should be getting married, but whatever. Uh, but I wish that the movie had had Carrie answer the phone, tell Big to stop acting like a fucking child, and then leave him at the altar. Don't fucking call me 10 minutes before we're supposed to get married, being like, I don't know if this is what I want to do. I, don't do that. Don't fucking do that. And... Yeah, that's what I wish the, the movie started off with. The rest of the movie, the narrative of the movie is, is, fi- is fine. Like, it's it's fine. Um, Miranda didn't do that, though. Am I spoiling Sex and Sex? This movie came out in 2008. I didn't spoil it, did I? Anyway, <laughs> if I spoiled it, you deserved it, okay? It came out a long time ago. <laughs> oh, but Miranda, it's not Miranda's fault. It's not fucking Miranda's fault that... That Big did that to you? Because, guys, remember Miranda and Steve. Steve cheated on Miranda because Miranda is... Well, Steve cheated on Miranda because Steve cheated on Miranda. That's what it is. But, um... Yeah, she's just, like, having a hard time. And she says to Big at the uh, rehearsal dinner, like, you'd be crazy to get married. Or something like that. I think that's what she said. You'd be crazy to get married. And... They let us, the rest of them, they let Miranda, Miranda for the rest of the movies is like, oh, maybe that's, maybe that's why he left her at the altar. No, he left her at the altar because he's a fuck boy. I've hated big. I always hated big. Fuck him. Okay. You don't do that shit. And so a lot of the movie is about like, you know, Miranda lost the spark in her marriage and that's why her husband cheated on her. And 
But Charlotte has sex with her husband three to four times a day. Not day. Three to four times a week. And she has... She's having sex with Harry twice in this movie and just staring him in the eyes being like, I love you. <laughs> it's like heavy eye contact and shit. And she waxes her bush. <laughs> She's happy every single day. Listen, guys. <laughs> Miranda's a lawyer, okay? Miranda, even though I believe she quit her big law firm and is either working for herself or working for like a, a law firm in Brooklyn, Guys, Miranda probably works 70 hours a week. <laughs> Miranda has to work for a living and she has a five-year-old kid and a husband. Charlotte, <laughs> I'm not, this is going to come out badly, but I got to say it and I'll like clean it up when I say it. Charlotte, now they both have nannies, obviously. And good for them for doing so too. Uh, if you can get help, get it. I should be saying to myself, but we'll talk about that another time. Um... Charlotte does not work. Charlotte's whole job, I'm not saying being a housewife isn't hard work, but Charlotte isn't a housewife. Not in that way. Charlotte volunteers and runs and directs the, the maids and directs the nanny and can work out and can get her, her bush waxed and... Like the whole, like, it's very easy for her to be a super mom and wife because that's the whole gig for her. She has the same hours in the day as somebody who works a full-time job and she can spend a good portion of that day working on herself and her home and her family. Why did they not talk about that? <laughs> the difference is money and how you get it. Yeah, I bet you are happy every single day. I would be too. Now, Harry's a lawyer too. I would I would venture that Harry and Miranda's lives are very similar in terms of how many hours they put in. Not that I, I don't know, maybe, I don't know what kind of lawyer Harry is. Wasn't he a divorce lawyer? I don't, and is, I, I'm not going to get, why am I getting this deep into it? But what I'm saying is that like, why did nobody, why they're like, throwing pot shots at Miranda why did nobody be like well actually she is the breadwinner in her home and she's got a five-year-old and a husband and I mean Miranda did say this and a mother-in-law with Alzheimer's that she's uh caring for like Miranda's life is fucking stacked do I sound jelly I am I am because sometimes when I'm dealing with like the moms at school or in certain like groups and stuff. They're like, let's do this. Well, let's do it at two o'clock on a, on a Wednesday. And I'm like, bitch, what do you think I'm doing at two o'clock on a Wednesday? Working. And a lot of them don't work. A lot of the, like when you're involved in like the Boy Scouts and the choir and the type a lot of the mothers don't work because like what else, how else does this happen? So a partner has to stay home and do this. And for me, as somebody who whose whose life is like, I work a lot. I do a ton of shit. I mother real fucking hard. I work real fucking hard. I go at everything really fucking hard. And the reason I do that is because I want this life. I want to have this life, and I want to have things for myself that don't involve my children. 
And I need those things. It's, it's the type of person I am. And, you know, we can talk about my husband's involvement and stuff. Uh, but there's just certain things he's not going to be able to do either because of skill level or because he cares about it much less than I do. There's a shit a ton of shit that I don't care about that he really does care about. And so he has to, he has to handle it. That's just how it goes. But I identify with Miranda in a lot of ways, mostly because she hates everything, but also, and I too have been shamed by a takeout person for ordering the same thing every time. Like I just call and go, hey, and they like, yeah, we know what you want, bitch. We'll be there in a second. Click. <laughs> but <laughs> but um, I understand what she's saying. Like she's got a whole fucking thing. Now, same thing I'll say to Miranda, same thing I say to myself is that if you feel like you got all this shit and you cannot even, you're not doing well at any of them, you got to get rid of something. And that might be that you have to work less. And that might be that you have to have your nanny be around more. And it might be that you have to, you know, make time for things that you don't necessarily want to make time for. Uh, but yeah, that's that part of the movie. But and everyone was like, oh, Miranda shouldn't have left Steve. Miranda shouldn't do this. Y'all, I would have had to leave Steve too because I'm a jealous person. Yeah, I fucking said it. I ain't got no problem being jealous. I don't like it. It's, and two, I hold grudges. And in fact, I'm going to tell you right now, I w- maybe I wouldn't have left Steve because, you know, I got a whole fucking life, right? With Steve and, and, and you know, sex is very different than being in love with somebody. Like I can, I can have that conversation with Matt all the time. But what... What happened is Steve would leave me and Steve would leave me because I would never stop talking about him cheating on me. Anytime <laughs> if we walked past the restaurant and he was like, let's go in there. I'd be like, oh, is that where you went with that bitch? Is that where you went over there? Nah, we ain't going to that fucking restaurant, motherfucker. You just want to relive the old days when you when you're cheating on me. <laughs> I would, I'd be like, hey, you know, you said you was at Target but why do you have these PetSmart bags? Oh, you went to PetSmart too? Well, you didn't say that. You said you went to Target. But now you went to PetSmart too? Is that where that bitch works at PetSmart? I don't know. I don't know. Like, you you, you say one thing, you mean another thing. Did you, where'd you get gas from? Oh, was there a tenant there? What do you mean you don't know there's a tenant there? Why? Because you're too busy fucking that bitch in the car? Like, I... <laughs> they, that's why I leave people. Because I know you're going to have to leave me. Because I'm not going to let the shit go. We're going to be talking about... That one time you fucked that one bitch. We gonna we're gonna be eighty years old in a nursing home on our anniversary. I I will be I'll have Alzheimer's. I don't remember shit. But you know what I will remember? That fucking time you cheated on me, motherfucker. They'll be like, "Hey, princess, how's it going?" I'll be like, "Who the fuck is that? Who's princess?" They'll be like, "That's you." I'm like, "Me? That's a dumb name." <laughs> Why would I let myself be named that? And they'll be like, oh, do you want something to eat? No, I don't want anything to eat because one time my husband cheated on me <laughs> in a restaurant <laughs> right at the pet store. <laughs> that's me. That's what I'll be doing. So that's why I have to leave. I, 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 I That meeting on the Brooklyn Bridge, bruh. <laughs> Steve would have got there and I wouldn't have been there. I wouldn't have been there because I don't trust you no more. I just, I don't have no trust in you. And to make myself have trust in you, I have to check on you all the time. I have to like be all up in your fucking phone. I have to put a tracker on your, on your body. I just, listen, being married to me is tough. (laughs) Maybe I should be nicer to my husband this week. 
Being married to me is tough, okay? And I just want to know where you ate, what you thought, who you was with, what you looked at, what the sitting room was like, what the weather was like. Don't hold anything back. And if you hold anything back, I never trust you again. So <laughs> I'm actually doing a lot better these days. <sighs> All right. We should, we, should, we should talk about what we came here to talk about instead of the Sex and the City movie. Oh, why didn't why didn't Samantha and Smith have an open relationship? I know they had, didn't they have like one or try to have one early and he didn't want one? Is that what it was? They needed to have an open relationship. Samantha, all your problems with themselves, you weren't allowed to go and fuck the neighbor. That's it. You guys have an open relationship. He can do whatever he wants when he's off doing whatever he's doing. Uh, starring in action movies with Bruce Willis or somebody. I don't know. He was, he was doing something. And then when your turn when when you're at home, you don't have to go buy a dog and eat a bunch of guacamole. You can just go go on to the neighbor's house, do it to him all hard, and then come home. Samantha, what's hard about this? Anyway. Guys, <laughs> part of the reason I'm so behind is it took me forever to watch this episode. Why are these episodes so long? <laughs> I feel so stupid. Why did I? Why did I decide to do this? Did, were these episodes fucking two-hour movies all the time? Did I just fucking forget? Is that what happened? Was I fast-forwarding through this shit? Is that? I was probably fast-forwarding through shit. So it takes forever to do this. I have to take all these fucking notes. And what I promised myself is that I was going to do. Like, I'm such a fucking idiot. I was going to do, I was going to watch half of it one night and half of it the next night. And that way, like, it didn't feel like a big burden. But I didn't do that because I'm an idiot. And so I sat down today and did it. Then fucking the, the website froze. So then I was like, okay, this is kind of a newer one. I could probably find it on demand. I did. But got to sit through fucking commercials because it won't let me fast forward. So, and I had to start the beginning again. I'm like, oh my God, this is hell. And I'm so behind. I'm so fucking behind. It's also hard to pick an episode each week because I want to talk about the show. But I don't always want to be just talking about sad shit. I want to pick stuff where I can find laughs, find ways to connect with the world at large. And, like, that's what I'm looking for. Um, This last week when I did the Lisa episode on the Instagram, someone commented on it and said, didn't this one die? And I'm like, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, like, we're doing My 600 Pound Life, not my trip to the Jersey Shore. They fucking die. It is, they're they're on this show because they want to get weight loss surgery. And they almost all of them say, because I want to live longer. A good portion of them are going to die. Um... I think Lisa, I think Lisa's daughter said that she died, but it wasn't related to weight. I'd like to know what she died of. Because I can't imagine it wasn't in some way related to weight. I just... Unless she was murdered or hit by a bus. She said her organs just gave out. But I think that's what she said. I could be wrong. Um, People's organs just don't give out at 50. You know what I mean? You know, DMX just died. Uh... And I'm working really hard in my life. I don't know if I talked about it in the pod, but I'm working really hard in my life to, when I see people grieving for someone famous 
or anyone in real life to just let them fucking grieve. I do not need to be the person that shows up and be like, well, this person was kind of a bad person because of this, this, and this. Do you remember when they did this? Just let people fucking grieve. That's, I'm talking to myself. And so I've been just trying to let people grieve. And DMX was 50. And I saw a tweet somewhere talking about how DMX, um, how so many black men of a certain generation do not expect to live past like 50 years. Don't even expect to get to 50 years old. And I don't know why I'm talking about that. I guess I'm just trying to like reiterate that as a rule, your organs just don't give out at 50 if everything else is fine, you know? And I'm not saying that like, you know, there's a set age you're supposed to live to through, but the idea that Lisa's weight had nothing to do with her dying at 50 is naive, I guess is the word I want to use. But if it was her, you know, that's her daughter saying that. Like, I, it's, that's not what she wants to believe. That's fine. But if she died at 50, that means that she died a year, like less than a year after she did that fucking show. Cause she was 49 on the show. But yeah, so this shit is sad, okay? Like, I'm an idiot once again for doing two sad shows at once. Um, right now, so on the main feed, we're doing six, My 600 Pound Life, but I'm also doing Intervention on the Patreon podcast, which is at patreon.com backslash by pumpkin. I just did an episode with a girl, not with a girl named Cole. She wasn't there. Oh, <laughs> about Nicole. And she's the one with the eating disorder that has the, the, the feeding tube and she's chewing and spitting and she's also abusing pain meds. It's, I did a content warning. I should do more content warnings, but I did a content warning, um, because there's a lot of like sexual assault and eating disorder talk and just gross shit on that episode. But it was a pretty good episode to talk about because we were talking about something different than we we were talking about with some of the other intervention episodes. I actually only have maybe two more total to do, and I'm done with that series and move. Like I, I should have done two dark series at once. <laughs> that's that's my bad. That's poor planning on my part. But yeah, like if we're doing my 600 pound life, a lot of them do die. We also have to talk about the fact that. Well, we can't talk about the ethics of it because if we talk about the ethics of it, then we shouldn't be watching it. But um, how production promises a lot of things, doesn't do it, you know, they're being sued. Um, and there's new deaths every year. Uh, the, a, lot of, a lot of participants felt like they were not, they were not giving a, a fair edit, which is, you know, a, pro, a common reality show complaint. And also that they were promised things that weren't happening. Um, it's not just a show where they follow these people around. They're also getting medical care in relation to the show. Uh, I would assume I could be wrong. If I am, you can like tell talk to me if you know differently. I would assume that this surgery and the care is free, and you know, in exchange for going on the show. I could be wrong. Um, I think part of the lawsuits were that the Ashley report on this, I should look this up by the time I come next time, but the, that they had been promised that the surgery and the aftercare and all that were free, but then some parts weren't free and they got like 
that part. Um, I... Yeah, like, if you peel back the layers of this show, it is fucking sad. And people die, and this is what we're watching. But also, the reason this show is so compelling is that we're looking at lives that we don't live or that we don't we don't even understand about it's it's one of the reasons uh that little people big world show was so was so interesting the little couple guys don't ever fucking tell me anything bad about the little couple there are two reality tv uh shows that you cannot talk to me tell me bad shit about that is the prophet which i don't even think is on anymore i love marcus lamonis and please don't tell me Please don't tell me about how terrible Marcus Lamont is. Please don't let me find out he's like molesting children or some shit. Actually, do tell me that so I'll know. But I just don't want to find that out. I really hope that's not something that's going on. And the little couple, Bill and Jen. And if I find out that like Jen is a, a white supremacist or Bill beats those fucking dogs and those kids, I might have to quit this fucking podcast because... <sighs> I say this all the time. You cannot put people on pedestals. We do not know celebrities. You do not know people we see on TV. We're all just filthy, feral fucking animals doing terrible things to each other. And you should not be surprised when you find out that somebody that is a bad person is that someone that's famous is also a bad person because a lot of people are bad people. And including me. And it's just that you're going to find out that I don't know. I skip the line places sometimes. Like, okay, so at the preschool, guys, when I go pick up the kids at the preschool, they do this passive-aggressive thing because we have to go down this long thing and circle. It's stupid. But they do this passive-aggressive thing. I don't know when they do it because when I drop off, it's not there. Where they put these cones across where the only opening where we're supposed to go for the pickup, but they don't ever put the cones, like, all the way across. And, like, if I were a good person, I would stop at the cones and wait for them to come out after after the kids get out and walk over there and move the the cones so that we could all drive around in a big circle and then come up to the school. But I don't do that. Instead, I drive around the cone and then I drive up and then I sit at the school and wait for them. And sometimes the person that takes the, that brings my boys to the car is actually a person I had to like curse out earlier this year. And I mean, it's awkward for her, not me, because she fucking deserved it. And I'm not going to go into it. I, I've been in a fight at preschool all fucking year. They're sick of me. But like, so like, again, don't put me on a pedestal. I'll be doing shit. Don't. I would disappoint you. And and so I know that as a fact, but still I... That Jerry from Cheer shit hit me hard. It just hit me hard. I don't know. Sometimes I... Sometimes... Yeah, it hits you hard. So please don't talk to me about Bill and Jen. Please don't talk to me about Marcus Limonis. Uh, what, what, what am I talking about? I, nothing. Absolutely fucking nothing. Let's talk about the damn episode. Um, it's season eight, episode two, Lindsay's story. It came out uh, January 8th, 2020. This is the 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 most recent episode I've done on anything on By Pumpkins. Normally I'm a little further back, but I like the, I just want, I, I thought, I saw the preview. I thought it'd be interesting. Um, 
Lisa is 39 years old, over 600 pounds, and lives in Hills, Iowa. She thinks it's a miracle. She wakes up every day. She thanks God every day. She is miserable in her body and takes a long time to get to the bathroom when she wakes up. Like, it's just... They actually have, like, stairs in her in her house, too. They're not... It's not like she's going upstairs, but it's, like, kind of, like... Just, like, a step downstairs, but it's, like, three or four of them. She tries to do a lot for herself in the morning because she doesn't want her husband to do it, Paul, because she's seen a look of disgust on his face sometimes. And so she wants to bathe herself and get dressed by herself because she doesn't want, she doesn't want him involved in that. Um, so she's sitting on the toilet, not like sitting on the toilet shit, but just like resting there, trying to get herself together, take a shower when her husband comes in and say he's going to the, get breakfast from the gas station. And then the crew films her taking a shower. So something to think about. I've I've heard some on the internet, like on Twitter or on message boards and sometimes Facebook groups when I used to be on Facebook, people being like, oh, they just wanted to go on this show to get famous or whatever. There aren't really a lot of famous people on my 600 pound life. Steven Asante is probably the most famous. People don't... This isn't the Real Housewives of Atlanta. People don't go in here for clout. And unlike a lot of other reality shows, even like shows like Hoarders or things or, you know, what was that show where they where they would come and tell you your clothes were terrible? Clinton Stacy, what not to wear. So like there's a level of vulnerability to apply to be on any kind of show like this, right? But when you want to be on My 600 Pound Life, one you have to come in there and let them film you um, at your worst, lying on that bed. A lot of these people are immobilized, lying on that bed. They always, like, a lot of them have, like, issues with their legs and stuff. When I was looking at a bunch of episodes, uh, a lot of them have a lot of, like, um, injuries. I, I don't know how else to describe it. Um, bodily issues. And... Why and like if I were gonna have my so let's say my legs were malformed right there they they the I I saw one preview that the woman like a starfish that's how her legs look um and they were gonna take a picture of me or like film me when they came in the house I'd probably have my legs covered right even if I was sitting in the bed I'd have a blanket over my legs even if I was sitting on a couch I'd have something draped over my legs that's what most people would do. But you already know they're not going to let you do that, right? And even if so, even if they came in, they want to see you at your worst. They because they need to get this these these images. So they want to see you at your worst. Their the cam their their cameras are all up in you, all they're all up on your your sensitive areas and things like you. I saw one where the guy had like it wasn't a goiter. It was like I don't know how to describe it. It was a l- large piece of flesh that was that was growing off of his thigh or something like that. And like, they're all close up on there, you know? Um, they, they always want to get you showering. If you can't shower yourself, then they want to make sure they get you while they're, while somebody else is giving you, um, uh, what's it, a sponge bath, right? So you, you must be naked. They're going to put all, and I'm sure they're blurred out, but you know, there's, their footage exists of you unblurred because, they have to film you unblurred and then they blur you. Um, 
And it's quite possible if they sell this in a different country that the blur is going to go away. They have control over whether the blur is on there or not. And yeah, there's a lot of vulnerability um, that you have to be on. You have to, oh, you got to talk all about your childhood traumas, right? So you got to do, you, you, you have to do talking heads where you just explain why you're such a fat person. This is a lot. It's, it's very vulnerable. I don't, there are so much easier ways to get famous. I mean, start a TikTok. But I just, I, I just think that it's simplifying it a lot to say, oh, they just want to be on TV. I don't think they want to be on TV. I think for most people, they want this surgery free and they want this care free and they want to see Dr. Now who's at this point is a famous guy. Like, you know, he's, he's well known for being able to uh, help you. Um, anyway, she takes a shower every other day. She used to take it every day. She takes a shower every day, but because it's tiring to do so. And, you know, they got her one of those back, I don't know, back washer or whatever. She's getting in folds and everything. And she says that even though it's difficult, if she does, then she gets really bad sores from chafing and like folds and whatnot. And she tries to do all this before he gets back, like I said, so he won't see her naked. And... You know, he brings her food and it's a ton of pizza and chicken fingers. And she sits in a chair that she says took her last bit of energy to get to and she eats it. Um, she eats a lot of it. Uh, yeah, it's a lot. It's a lot. There's no, I, there's no other way to describe it. It's like two little buckets of chicken and a bunch of fucking pizza. Um, he goes to work. So when she's eating, when she's eating breakfast, she's already thinking about lunch. And when she's eating lunch, she's already thinking about dinner. And same, bitch, same. <laughs> like I'm always thinking about where my next fucking meal is gonna come to. Um. After breakfast, though, she goes into the kitchen because she still wants more food. I'm not gonna use the word hungry. Maybe I can't. You know what? Hungry isn't like I don't know. I wouldn't use the word hungry. I I would use the word she wants more food. So she goes in the kitchen and there's like an office chair in there that she sits on and she makes homemade nachos. Guys, have homemade nachos ever been good? You Please let me know if you've ever made homemade nachos and they've been good. I, during this pandemic, I, I miss movie theater nachos. <laughs> I'm just here, uh ragging on her fucking homemade nachos and I'm talking about movie nachos but you understand movie nachos are not good they're a specific taste right and so what I did is I went to the store and I bought like Frito uh chips you know the ones the scoops or whatever and I got that jalapeno cheese sauce that probably has no cheese or jalapenos in it <laughs> instead of like a little can <laughs> and I just like dipped into that nasty ass cheese and it tasted just like eating disgusting movie nachos. Just like it. It's a very specific taste. I didn't say it was good. I said, I said I wanted it. You know what? I'm gonna come back. I'm gonna come back and I'm gonna go back and I'm gonna stop talking shit about her nachos because I just described some disgusting shit I ate. 
Lisa has always been, Lisa, Lin, Lindsay has always been fat. She weighs 150 pounds when she was five years old. I don't, I don't, that's, that is very large. Um, my five-year-old just hit 40 pounds and that's because I've been feeding him like crazy. He, when I talk to you guys about my four-year-old, the one that I think I'm, he's the reason my back hurts because I insist on carrying him around because he wants to be carried around because he's still fucking four. He, people think he's six all the time. He weighs, he's, he's probably at 45 pounds right now, almost 50. And he's large for four years old, very large for four years old. 150 pounds at five. I just want to emphasize it's wild, guys. And I know some of you listening to you listening probably don't have kids and you don't go to those well check fit and they take the and they take the uh fucking weight and they tell you what percentage the kid is in and yada yada yada. They like 150 pounds at five is is huge, very big. Um her mother does an interview saying that she tried to cook healthy and balanced meals for her father to bring home lots of junk and then and, and encourage her to have bad habits. There's an interview with her father, and notably it's the only time you see him on the screen. Her father is saying he's an eater and so is Lindsay, and she got all her habits from him. By the time she was 10, she was 250 pounds. I am shocked by these numbers. Um, I was a fat kid too. I think I... At 250 pounds at 10 is a very large number. Uh, and I'm sure she wasn't getting like regular health care because not everybody does. Um, because, you know, you have to take kids in for their well check visits, which is when they're, you know, when they're first born, like every 10 minutes. And then after that, it's like every six months. And then I think when they hit like, I think you go to six months and then when you hit a year, it's every year after that. So you, you take them in after their birthday. You, they they do all the weight stuff. They examine them just to see, you know, if there's anything to be concerned about. They give them all the vaccines they're supposed to have. And they weigh them and they do the height stuff and they give you suggestions if 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 child is, is within a certain range. I'm not saying that that's, like, excellent. Um, I actually had to... You know what? I'm not going to tell that story. <laughs> I'm not going to tell that story. But I'm not saying that's excellent. Because um, the charts and shit, you know, a lot of them are based on bullshit. But what I'm saying, though, is that if I took a 250-pound 10-year-old to do their well check, they would absolutely be concerned. They would absolutely take me aside and, and say, this is incredibly dangerous. I, these huge, 250 pounds is big guys. It's really big. I, okay. I'm gonna get off this. I just, these are out of control numbers. And I, a part of me is like, is she exaggerating this? Because it's, they're almost unbelievable. At 10, her life got even worse because her father had a suicide attempt. He took a bunch of pills and tried to kill himself. Um, he was depressed. Depressed. 
Lindsay said he was depressed because he was juggling a lot of women. He was having multiple affairs and the stress was getting to him. Guys, you know I hate to be a person that says these things. That doesn't sound true. It doesn't sound true. It doesn't sound true that he tried to kill himself because he was having multiple affairs and was stressed out by it. Because if having multiple affairs and juggling multiple women was stressful, you would stop. Right? That's an easy solution. If, like, I am having sex with three women, two women besides my wife, I'll stop having sex with those women if it's so stressful. Here's what I think actually happened. I think he got caught then. And that's when he had the suicide attempt. Like, his wife called him and was, was like, no, you can't, I'm not doing this with you. And then he had a suicide attempt for that. That's what I think happened. I don't think he was like, oh man, I'm fucking all these women. I'm so depressed. Let me try. I just don't. And again, I'm just saying this because I just want to be clear. Like, I have, to, I'm on a podcast. I have to give opinions. In real life, I wouldn't be like, that doesn't seem like a reason to kill yourself. In real life, I'd be like, oh shit. Uh, I'm glad that it didn't, glad you weren't able to do it. And like, what can we do? What what can we do to get you some help here? Like, that's what that's how I react in in real life. But on this podcast, where I just have to, there's nothing but opinions and vibes. I have to be like, I have to think about these things, and I just don't believe that's why. Um, so the parents ended up getting divorced. He went from being a safe and fun person to Lindsay to a negative force in her life. And as soon as the divorce was final, like the moment, like like it's final on this day, he went and got married <laughs> to a. Uh, one of the women he was cheating with and moved on and moved on with a new family. So this is, you know, this is, she's 10. This is probably happening. She got married when she was like 11 or so. At 18, Lindsay was 380 pounds. She was working in fast food. At 19, she had saved enough money to buy a truck. And her father came and stole the truck. Why did he steal the truck? Because... He was leaving his second wife and moving to Missouri to live with, to be with his third wife. Lindsay, first of all, they, they make, they obviously write this shit out and make them read it for the voiceovers because of the way they're reading it is all slow and measure. And that's not, you, you listen to this podcast. It's not the way people talk there. They speed up, they slow down, they interrupt each other. That's not the way people talk. Um, and I know in the talking heads, they'll make people re-say things to get it clear, but these voiceovers are obviously written out for them. Like some P, some PA like wrote out a script and they have to read it. However, (laughs) Lindsay, baby, why did he need to steal your truck to move to Missouri? Why did he have to steal your truck to move to Missouri? So if I were telling this story, I'd be like, I'd say this. My dad was pretty erratic. My dad um, was juggling women. He, you know, he divorced. When he got divorced from my mom, he moved on very quickly and got remarried and moved. And, you know, he still, and, and when he was leaving that relationship, my erratic dad stole my car. And then he took my car to Missouri and, and, and I never got it back. No, here's the thing. I would have got it back because I would have reported fucking stolen. 
<laughs> I, <laughs> I, I just, you're not going to fucking, you're, you're not doing this shit to me. I would have reported stolen and I would have testified so he can go to jail. But the way she tells the story is that he had to do it so that he could move to Missouri. There was no other way. There was no Greyhound bus. There was no one to give him a ride. <laughs> The bitch in Missouri wasn't gonna come and pick him up and bring him over there. He had to. It was the only way. It was. It was the only. It was the only car in town. So, um, I I'll say this. It seems the whole thing seems unnecessarily cruel to me. It feels like he didn't have to hurt Lindsay that way, but he just decided he could and did. Uh, you know, she buried all that shit with her dad and food. So at 20 years old, she's over, she's over 400 pounds and decides to go to college. But that's when her dad convinces her to move to Missouri. She says she should have known better. And I agree she should have known better. He has sold that car she stole and kept the money. But he's making it sound like you're going to have a ton of fun being with him. And she, she says, no, she shouldn't have trusted him. But it's hard when it's your dad and you had such a good, like, the thing about Lindsay is this, is that up until, from the time she was born to she was 10 years old, her and her dad had a great relationship. He seemed like the fun guy, they ate together, all that shit. And then at 10, he just fucking snapped and started doing shit. And so I understand that like she, like everyone warned her against it and she was just like, no, it's going to be great. And it's not. I also, Lindsay's been a fat kid all her life. I mean... She's not talking about it, but she probably has tons of trauma from people commenting on her weight, people teasing her, even relatives. I'm sure, I'm sure there's been some shit with her mom. I mean, you have a 250 pound 10 year old. I'm sure her mom was getting a lot of comments. I wouldn't be surprised if they've had some incidents about food and shit. And what's her self-esteem like? Non-existent. You know what I mean? And here's this guy that, that your dad, who you really cared about, or you still really care about, and at 10, he just, like, left and, like, started a new family, and now he's, like, and then he stole from you and shit, and now he's, like, come on, it'll be better, and you want to believe him. Like, do is it, is it tough? Yeah, it's fucking tough. Is it stupid? Yeah, it's stupid. Do I understand why she did it? I see how it happened. And guess what? It was bad. <laughs> Dad and the third wife were fighting constantly. Uh, Lindsay was having panic attacks. She was just eating and eating and eating to calm down. It was years of this. And a friend helped her move back to Iowa. She got her old job back at the fast food place. So it felt like she never left. And she was eating and eating and eating and gaining and gaining and gaining. This is a good place to answer the question. Because I know people are like, why would you work at a fast food place if, if, if you have like, you know, she's got an eating disorder. She's binge eating. Um, well, maybe she's not binge eating in like the perfect sense, but she has issues with food. Why would you work at a fast food place if you have issues with food? Where do you think Lindsay can work, guys? Also, at over 400 pounds, it can sometimes be, I'm not saying it never happens, but it can be hard to find a new job because People discriminate against fat people all the time. It can, and it can be overt and conscious. Like, I don't want this fat fuck working here. And this person's disgusting because look, they're overweight. 
or whatever. And it can be subconscious where they see someone who's overweight, especially at Lindsay's size at 400 pounds. Um, and they automatically think sloppy, no, uh, no work ethic. Cause if they had work ethic, they'd be working out. Uh, you know, like it can be incredibly hard to find a place to work. She's also in a small town in Iowa, apparently. And also a, her, her education is limited. I mean, she's just got limited experience. Yeah. I mean, where else is she going to fucking work at a fast food place? In her mid-twenties, she got her first boyfriend, and she was close to being over 500 pounds, and the boyfriend wanted her to be even bigger. He was a feeder. So, like, what's a feeder? A feeder is someone who's in a relationship with another person, and they get off by, and it's not necessarily, they don't get off by being with, like, a fat person. They get off by the fat person gaining with them. It's the gaining that's the thing. You've got, so he would just kind of like force food on her and try to get her to eat more food and, um, constantly feeding and feeding her and he got worse and worse and he wasn't, and I believe being a feeder is emotionally abusive because it's not just having a fetish of, of them gaining weight. You don't care if they want to gain weight. You don't care if they, if they, if it's healthy for them, you don't care if it's like, and again, that word healthy, but, uh, you don't care if it's, um, you don't care if it's in their best interest at all. You want them to gain weight however you can, even if it means sneaking shit in, like sneaking food into things or tricking them. Into, like, I think being a feeder is emotionally abusive unless it is, is agreed upon. I think just like having like a... And just like having like a, a sadomasochist relationship is there is consent involved, explicit consent, um, boundaries, rules when done correctly. But if you have that type of relationship and the other person had not even consented to doing it, that's abuse. So if you're in a feeder fetish relationship where, where, you are purposely trying to get this person to gain weight so you can so you can scratch your kink and the other person is not wanting to do that and and you are pushing it on them. I feel like that's emotionally abusive. Um, but he wasn't just emotionally abusive. He was also physically abusive. It all came to a head. He almost killed her. He beat up her and her dog. He went to jail. She like packed up and moved away. And she was at 550-ish at that point. That's when she got the gastric sleeve surgery. She lost about 200 pounds over a few years. She was in the low 300s by the time she was 33, um, but started getting it back. But while she was losing, she got really confident and she started, you know, she got the confidence to be on an online app, online dating site, and she met Paul, who she hit off right away. <sighs> they started living together. She realized Paul had a drinking problem. They must have lived together very quickly because I feel like she would have realized he had a drinking problem. You know, they probably started moving in together a few months after they knew each other. She says the two of them understand each other because of their addictions, but also Lindsay says that Paul can and should give up alcohol, but she can't just give up eating. So that's like a common refrain, like right, when it comes to uh, food addictions, is that 
you, for a lot of people, what they can do is, like, so in Paul's case, Paul, not, not that I'm saying it's easy, right? I've been talking about that Demi Lovato docuseries on the Patreon um, because it comes out the day after, the day before I always record it. And you guys know how I feel about Demi Lovato. And um, Kara's actually doing a really great, on her Patreon, she did two parts. It's everybody's business but mine Patreon. You guys should check it out. She did a really great recap and analysis of that docuseries that I felt was very good. But like, you know, from my conversation on that and also like when we're talking intervention shit, like sobriety isn't exactly easy, okay? It's not, it's not easy. But what Lindsay's saying is that since Paul has a drinking problem, if Paul wanted to, Paul could um, abstain from drinking, stay away from places places where people are drinking, at least at first, and just live a, a sober lifestyle. That and it and all he'd have to do is stop drinking. But because Lindsay's food addictions, you have to continue to eat. So you can't just give it up cold. You can't just stop eating. Um, that's what she's referring to, but I think she, you know, we're going to talk more about this, but I think she uses it as an excuse, to be honest. Um, I mean, it's true, but I, it's something about the two of them talking to each other about each other's problems and just being like, no, you could do, you could fix that. You could fix that. And she's like, no, I can't stop eating, but you can stop drinking. And he's like, well, you know, this is going to kill you. So I don't know. In eight years they've been together, the math's off on that, but in the eight years they've been together, she's gained over 300 pounds. Now, Paul is frustrated about how much Lindsay eats because Paul does all the shopping. Paul says that when they first met, she was extremely excited about life. It's not the weight he's thinking about. He's saying that when they met, you know, she'd been losing and everything, and she was, she just wanted to try things. She wanted to go places, you know, she was excited about life, and now she doesn't sleep and eat, which is different. Um... Over dinner, they're making dinner, and he's drinking, she's eating, and they're arguing about how a friend who doesn't live near the same friend that got her from Missouri to Iowa invited them out, invited her out, and she said she'd go, but then she bailed. And he is saying how frustrated he is with her. She's saying he needs to understand how hard it is for her to be out and about. And what she means is both physically and mentally. Like, she's in a lot of pain. The walk, she's still mobile. A lot of people at that weight aren't mobile. Um, she, and then also emotionally, like people staring at her finding a place to sit in the like let's say you're gonna meet at a bar or something finding a place to sit in there what if you have to go to the bathroom and you have to like kind of squeeze but so you found a place to sit now you gotta squeeze out of there and you have to walk across like it's it's i understand now i don't know why she said she'd go yeah never mind i understand why she said to go why she go but so he's frustrated with that Paul is crying in an interview saying he's watching her die right in front of him. He might have been drunk, though. So this is a newer episode, and we know that because they don't pussyfoot around Dr. Now. They just say she's got an appointment with Dr. Now. They don't, they aren't like, she found a doctor in Houston. Um, Lindsay's supposed to go to Houston, and they're supposed to be up early, but Paul slept in because he was drinking late last night. It's 11. They're supposed to get on the road. Um... He's a, when she finally wakes him up, he's annoyed with her. He's kind of acting like a dick. Uh, he's like, are you packed? Are you this? Are you that? And I'm like, you know, she's not packed because she can't do anything. 
What are you talking about? The appointment's in a few days, like three days, and it only takes 16 hours to get there, but they're going to have to stop a lot. Uh, like her body sitting in a car. I used to do like 18 hours from Chicago to Virginia Beach. Um, what was it 16? Anyway, I used to do that like straight by myself. Um, she doesn't think her body can sit in that car for that long of a time. Uh, she doesn't, she doesn't really fit in the seat. Her, she has to kind of contort her body in there. Um, so she wants, she thinks they're going to stop a lot. Also, Paul doesn't think he can drive 16 hours straight and wants her to drive. However, she's thinking she can't drive for more than 10 minutes at a time. And that's like, what a waste. Why even like, why even do that? So... About an hour, they get in the, finally get in the car. About an hour in, they're out of Iowa and into Missouri. I guess they live very close to Missouri. And she's already in pain. Her back is tight. Her leg is numb. And then she says, it's not anything a snack couldn't help. Like, one of the obvious things about Lindsay, which I shouldn't have to say, but I am, is that in her case, this is emotional eating. She's unhappy. When she's sad, when she's in pain, when she thinks what makes her happy is food. It's emotional eating. And that's why I didn't want to say hungry before. Because I was like, I don't think she's hungry. I think she just wants that. I, I don't, she might be hungry in this one because they just woke up. But she, it's clear that she is emotionally eating and not, like it's, so she doesn't feel bad. Um, so they stop at a gas station, get snacks. The thing she says, she she says like fast food is a necessary evil on this trip. And I'm like, okay, Lindsay, but we know that you weren't going to be like eating carrots and cauliflower at home. You were going to be eating fast food anyway. So don't be like, well, I have to eat fast food on this trip. You, it, you were going to eat fast food. I, I, don't piss on me and tell me it's raining. Also, She's eating pizza. He was, so he gets her some pizza. That pizza is some pizza. It's the same pizza she was eating two segments ago. It looks disgusting. It's pizza in a in a a bag. What is that? It looks nasty. Uh, you can do better pizza than that, uh, Lindsay. Their hope is to do seven hours in the first day and get halfway there. And they only get about four hours because she's just in too much pain to go any further. So they get off the highway and they get her something to eat. And when she gets the food, she goes, it smells like grease and freedom. <laughs> and I actually laughed out loud at that because I was like, "That I, I'm getting that. I, that's my next tattoo. <laughs> so anyway, she says that there's nothing better like eating something after pushing yourself hard and earning your reward. Man, okay. Here's the thing. I totally believe she's in pain. I can't see how she couldn't be in pain. Watching her get out of that car while they stopped her for the hotel and it took her 30, 40 seconds on film of like trying to wiggle herself out of that car, it looked painful. I I, I don't think I could have done it. I, it. It looked terrible. I believe she's in pain. I don't think her saying that was the move. I just don't. It doesn't sound right. It doesn't look good to be saying it. Because you've just been sitting in a car, um, eating, and 
it's not that I don't think she should be able to eat. She should be. I mean, she's got to eat. And also, she's been eating. So, whatever. And it's not that I think she needs. she shouldn't be able to rest. I just think the words, there's nothing better like eating something after pushing yourself and earning your reward. Don't apply to the situation and look bad. So, anyway, they get into the hotel, which looks way nicer than I expected. Because, you know... I probably end up in the Bates Motel if I were if I because you know I'm cheap, and she's breathing hard. She looks like she's in a lot of pain. She looks fucking terrible. She she has her food and she eats it. She chows down and she and she lays down. So next time we see them, it's the third day on the road, and they're in Dallas heading to Houston. Um, they're still six hours away. Uh, so they're not exact. It's not exactly like this, but Dallas is like. One way from Austin and Houston's the opposite way. And they're both like around three-ish hours away. So they're six hours away. They don't have any more time. They can't stop a ton. The appointment is today. So they have to go straight. Um, They get there. She's all nervous and sore. And when they weigh her in, she's 647, which she didn't know. And, you know, they meet Dr. Now who says, I guess you're here. You want to lose some weight. Okay, doctor now, <laughs> don't be a dick. Uh, she didn't come here to go to the Chinese buffet, the Chinese food buffet that's in the same strip mall as your clinic. By the way, I say this all the time, I could have never made it in there because we love a Chinese buffet, a Chinese food buffet. And I say, I absolutely am saying Chinese food in quotes. And so, uh, I mean, I think buffets are done, but it would have been very hard for me not to go over there, especially if it's a good one that has all, girl, it would be very hard for me not to go over there. Doctor, I guess you wanna I guess you wanna lose some weight. No, I'm here selling magazine subscriptions. Get out of here. She's all nervous and shit. She just found out she weighs 647. You over here telling jokes. Also, Doctor Now has a stethoscope with like gold on the part that you put on the heart, and then he has like gold detailing wrapped around the ear parts. It's like I it reminded me of this Egyptian pharaoh exhibit that I was showing the kids. We just watched um, Prince of Egypt. I can't believe the kids hadn't seen it. I love fucking Prince of Egypt. I love those songs. I'm not going to sing them because I don't want to hurt you guys. I love you guys. I don't want to hurt you. But I'd be walking around his house singing Deliver Us all the fucking time. <laughs> Where's the land you promised us? Deliver us. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so um, I showed to my kids. They just had a lot of questions that I wasn't really prepared to answer. So I did have to like Google a lot of stuff to explain because like I was just happy with the soundtrack. I mean, it's got fucking Whitney and Mariah. Whitney and Mariah did duet on the, the Prince of Egypt soundtrack, guys. Like I'm just happy with that. There's a Boys and Men song on it too. I will get through this. It's really good. Um, but anyway, like. So I had to look up a bunch of stuff to kind of like to talk with him more about like the story. And at one point I was, cause I guess I just wanted to show them like about pyramids and things like that. Cause they were wondering what they were building. And I was trying to explain that they were slaves and that they were being like used and abused and beaten and killed and all kinds of stuff. And to make these fucking monuments and so we were looking up like, you know, mummies and things that they unearthed and from like pyramids and shit. 
And that's what the fuck that shit looked like. It looked like, it looked expensive. I could be crazy. That shit could have been string. But I was like, I was like, uh-uh. Business must be good, doctor now. I'm sure it is. He's getting that guap. Mm. And you know, look at doctor now. Doctor now. Does doctor now like the type of dude that's going to show up in flashy clothes? You know, you like when doctor now is like making a lot of money, the, the signs of wealth aren't going to be apparent on him when he's visiting like patients. I mean, I'm sure he drives a very nice car. Maybe he's, he's probably got a very nice stuff like that. But like, he's not going to walk in with like a huge fucking chain on that says doctor now across the diamonds and shit. This is not, this is like the type of thing that he's going to have. Um, so he brings up a good point. One that I, that I was like questioning that she's already had a gastric sleeve surgery before and we're, and here we are again. That surgery is not easy. (laughs) It's it's not a guarantee. It's not like, I know people think it was a shortcut and I, I guess it's a tool. That's what I think of it as because afterwards you still have to diet and exercise and you can't even eat solids. Like it's fucking hard. And that's why so many of them go back. So, uh, they fail a lot. And I don't know if fail is the right word, but, or maybe they're not successful long-term is the right word, right words to use. He tells her they need to get to the root of like this because it's not just that, you know, it's, it's more than what she, than what she's saying. He also talks to, um... Paul about the food and they both agree that the reason he doesn't do anything is because they don't want to fight and Dr. Now is like you're gonna have to fight because you can't just you know you're buying the food you can just not bring it here like you have to do your part too not that I'm saying Paul's the reason Paul does not seem like a feeder he does seem lovey-dovey with her he does not seem to care about her weight or anything like that um there's parts I'm like you seem kind of fake but I don't know if that's my internal bias of being like seeing someone saying nice, lovey things to this woman who like, if you go by society standards is unlovable. I don't know if that's like an internalized bias that I'm picking up on or if I, if he really is fake. I, I don't know if I can tell the difference. So basically he says that he can, even though she's already had one, he could do it, but she'll need an endoscopy to, to check on like scarring on where her stomach was stapled and see if she stretched her stomach all the way back out and see if it's even safe and doable. And she has to lose 75 pounds in two months. And then once, that's to get approved for the surgery. And then once you're approved for the surgery, he wants her down in Houston for like a year because it doesn't make any other sense. Um, My question is immediately, how's that going to work financially? Because I'm assuming that... Uh, Lindsay's on disability if she is but that the bulk of everything comes from her husband working and so how is he gonna move to Houston like what's his job what does he do uh but you know they don't give us any details they just are like yeah we're willing to move to Houston but here's the deal after they get this good news they gotta drive all the way fucking back and stop for several days and Lindsay says she'll need some help with the food to do that because she's going to be in pain and she's going to be stressed out and she needs the food and once she's there she she'll get started so next time we see Lindsay she's back home she's trying to stick to a 1200 calorie diet 
she says that previously, 1,200 calories is not a lot of calories, by the way, guys. It's really not. I think, what's the recommended? It's like 2,000 for adults. 1,200 calories is not a lot of calories at all. I mean, it's up to you how you get your 1,200 calories. Like, you really could fuck up 1,200 calories on, like, some brownies or some shit, and that's all you get. Or you can really work hard to make them filling meals so it feels like you're eating a lot of food. at the very, Especially when it's like more of a food addiction rather than just someone who's changing a lifestyle. You know, if you just, if you just decide to go on a diet and you, and I don't know, what do you got to lose? Like 10 pounds or something like that. It's even that's hard. But if you're somebody used to like Lindsay talking about, she's used to eating seven to 10,000 calories a day. And she's supposed to go down to 1,200. She thinks that's too drastic of a shift. So do I. But Dr. Now does not think that. And Dr. Now expects you to be on this 1,200 1200 calorie. And so she says she's doing it little by little. Which basically means she's eating a bunch of stuff. She and Paul are fighting a lot. He says that he's been trying to say no to her, but it's not working. She... So she in the kitchen, right? She's making chicken and over salad greens... With low fat, it seems Italian dressing. I think I recognize that label. And she hates it. Yeah, you hate it. There wasn't a speck of fucking seasoning on that chicken. That was the whitest chicken I've ever seen in my life. And no seasoning whatsoever on it. And I know, like, also that salad was sad. It was just greens. You know, I feel like a tomato, a cucumber... Might have helped. I know you're probably not supposed to put cheese in it, but like some texture in that salad might have helped things out. It was a sad salad. And I know I know you guys want me to make that joke that, you know, white people don't season their food, but I'm not going to because it's cheap, it's lazy. And honestly, in my experience, it's not true. Every white person I know got seasoning, okay? They don't just go up in there. Like an unseasoned piece of chicken will kill you. It will. It'll kill you. Bland chicken. I remember I was watching True Life or something and... Why are all these true lives filled in New Jersey? Because this this chick was definitely in New Jersey. And it was like, I'm trying to lose weight. And the trainer came over to the chick. And he's like, I'm going to teach you how to how to cook. And he sears two sides of a chicken breast. And cuts it and gives it to her. And I mean, it's cooked all the way through. But he all he does is sear it both sides. And cook it through. And he's like, it's just chicken. You'll like it. And she cuts off this piece of unseasoned chicken and she chooses, she's like, yeah, it's good. No, the fuck it isn't. Unseasoned chicken tastes like water and feathers. No, you gotta, you gotta season it to forget about what it used to be. It needs to taste like something. And I'm not gonna let this stereotype from black Twitter about how white people don't season their food do, because in my experience, this is not true. Do they put enough seasoning on it for me? No. But this idea that white people only have uh, salt, pepper, and paprika in their house is false in my experience. Now I know I'm about to get a bunch of messages being like, I only have salt, pepper, and paprika, and blah, blah, blah. And I, listen, this chicken was fucked up. And I just feel like, obviously it's hard to stick to this diet. I mean, she's not, but it's hard to stick to the diet. I don't know if I can stick to 1,200 calories a day. It's, it doesn't seem like a lot of calories. Um, but... 
If you're an emotional eater like I am, and obviously Lindsay is, then you need to enjoy your food somehow. You have to find a way to enjoy your food. It has to be, it, you're not, I don't know, you're not some fucking professional weightlifters who's just eating boiled eggs because you got to put a certain amount of uh, fucking protein in you every day. I need to enjoy it. And it will be so much easier for her to enjoy it if it tasted good. <laughs> and maybe it's not going to taste like that pizza in a bag. But, <laughs> but you get a little seasoning on there, it's going to taste like something. I don't know. I just, that salad was sad. As somebody, like, sometimes I give my, I make, like, this Southwest salad for my kids in the summer. Because, you know, I don't feel like cooking a lot. Like, it's hot and everything. It's hot as fucking Texas. Um, and also, I work really hard to get greens in their lives. I'm really fortunate because my kids actually like vegetables. But I'll just make, like, a nice salad and I'll put like some chicken on it, some black beans, some corn, some cheese, a little avocado. And I mean, they like ranch dressing. I hate it. I hate ranch dressing. But I'll let them put that on there. And it's like, it's, I mean, obviously, it's, <laughs> it's not like a super healthy salad, just so you know. But it's got all this texture and this and all this flavor and all this different things. And the chicken is seasoned. And, and it's a nice way to take in greens. I don't know. I, I'm not, you guys know I'm not no fucking diet expert. I've never even been on a diet. But let me tell you what, I would have told Dr. Now, 12, I can do 1200 calories, but it's gotta be plus seasoning. I'm not doing no, no seasoning. I'm not doing that. As for Lindsay, she says she has hunger pains. I don't know. It might be true. She's, it might be true. Her body's used to eating a lot more food. I think she's got more like emotional pains. She doesn't feel satisfied at the end of that meal. And she just she goes to sleep early to try to like stop from feeling hungry. So she's laying on the bed. I was probably meant the same day. But she's laying on the bed. And she calls Paul into the room and asks if they have any snacks left. And she says her back hurts and the snacks will make her feel better. He tells her there are snacks, but do you really want them? And she pushes and says, just bring them here. And he does. He's very mad. He brings them there and he throws them at her. And he screams at her that this that what he sees is death. Go ahead and eat your death. Go ahead. And he stomps away and the cameras catch him. Like he's in the he's muttering to himself in the in the living room, I guess. Like she doesn't get it. She's just gonna fucking kill herself. And like I know there are people that saw this. First of all, this was in the trailer for the season. And so a lot of people had a lot of reactions to it. And there were some people that were like, good. She someone needs to tell her that. And here's the thing. I think Paul needs to understand his, his role in this. And that is that he brings a lot of food and she's not really able to drive. So the, the reason you have ding dongs and shit and, and chips and shit in the house is because you brought them in the house. And if Paul was trying to stay sober from alcohol and he was newly sober and I was living in the house with him, I would not bring alcohol in the house. Maybe if he's had some time under his belt and he felt comfortable, that'd be different. But if he's newly sober and he's having a hard time trying, staying that way, I would never like fill the fucking refrigerator up with beer and just be like, well, do you really want it? Because you shouldn't have it. Like, 
why is it here? You know, I, you know, I'm not good with temptation. Otherwise, why would we even be in a situation? So I get that part. I get, and I also get why Paul's upset. But I also agree with the other side of the argument where people were like, he is like emotionally abusive. I think that's an, I think that's verbally abusive. And I think that if you can't not do that, you need to take yourself away. And that means give yourself a timeout, go on a drive, go to a friend's house, leave, whatever it is. But you can't stand, like, the emotions behind it, sure. But the yelling and stuff, no. This is it's still not okay. It, it looked terrible. So by the next time she goes to doctor now, it's two months from the first appointment. Paul isn't with her. Um, they fight too much. Uh, her mom is bringing her instead. And she's lost 28 pounds instead of 75. And Dr. Now tells her, okay, but that doesn't mean that means you didn't do what I asked you to do. Uh, she tries to convince Dr. Now that she was doing two 600-calorie meals instead of three 400-calorie meals, and that may have done it. Because you're supposed to have three meals. And they're doing that because they want to space out the meals. It's about metabolism, all that bullshit. And Dr. Now's not having it. He's saying he didn't go to doctor school for 50 years to not be able to count. And 600 plus 600 is the same as 400 plus 400 plus 400. And we all know that you was not doing that. And he expected her to lose between 75 and 100 pounds. And 28 pounds just says that you did not. Some, this is not that's not what happened. Um, <laughs> I don't know why they tried to lie to the doctor now. First of all, she, she taped this in 2019. So she must have seen the show. She had to have seen the fucking show. So she knows, Dr. Now, if you don't lose their mind around weight, Dr. Now does not want to hear anything else. You can say whatever you want. Somebody slipped some butter into it. Oh, I added some pepper to this chicken and that's why I didn't lose weight. No, bitch, you can still lose weight if you put some seasoning on this bitch. <laughs> what? You know, and also now that I think about it, what, just because Lindsay eats a lot doesn't mean she knows how to cook, right? She's been working in fast food. She's been eating fast food. Her husband's driving to the gas station and get her buckets of chicken and pizza. She isn't necessarily, she might not even know how to make anything. Huh. Anyway, um... He sends her back. He says, another two months, you need to lose 75 pounds. She and Paul are going at it. Also, Paul, I mean, they're still fighting. Also, Paul now is saying he doesn't think he can move to Houston for a year. Uh, so, Lindsay decides she's going to move to Houston early and show Dr. Now she's serious and loses 75 pounds. I'm concerned because I'm like, why are you planning to move to Houston early if you don't know if you're going to get the surgery? What are you doing? So next time we see her, it's been a few weeks. She's been taking a different approach. She's having small cheat days twice a, a week. This is still not what Dr. Now told you to do. And it's not that I don't understand the net, the, the cheat days. I don't, the, the one of that. Listen, I, I go, you know how many fucking times I go to Chipotle? I can't tell you. You'd be concerned for me. But I, this is not what he asked you to do. And when you're sitting in there telling him like, yeah, I'll definitely lose the 75 pounds. I'll definitely stick to the diet. And then you show back up and you didn't. This is the part that people find so frustrating because 
I mean, I honestly, have we had an episode where someone was sitting in there and Dr. Now was like, I need you to lose 75 pounds in two months and, and stick to the diet. And they're like, I can't do that. Have you had someone say that? What? I can't, I don't remember seeing it. What would Dr. Now say? Dr. Now say, okay, you can't have the surgery. You have to lose this weight. Um, it's very black and white. And, and while I feel for Lindsay a lot and I can see myself being in the same situation as Lindsay or anything like that, I definitely empathize with Lindsay a lot. I definitely get upset and need a Kit Kat. I definitely do that. That said, the frustrating part is that you keep saying you're going to and then you don't. Um, You know, he's not really trying, like, so, but she says she's feeling she has more energy. She feels smaller, so she knows she's losing weight. Um, she's able to move around more. Paul and her are still fighting, and he's still not trying to go to Houston. So he gets home, and they talk about moving to Houston. And he's saying, financially, it doesn't make sense. That's what I said. What's Paul going to do for work? Paul says that he obviously doesn't want her to leave, doesn't want her to leave to Houston, but she has to do it on her own. He tells her he loves her and he's going to bed. Can't, Paul seems very good on camera, but again, I, I feel like he's fake. Lindsay is heading down. So what, next time we see Lindsay, she's heading down to Houston to see Dr. Now about a week late. She's late because she's going to try to make this the move. She's trying to find a place to stay. So when she drives down, she stays there. Um, again, you do not know if you lost this weight. Uh... But she found a, found a person online. I don't know, probably not my 600 pounds life Facebook group. This person's name is Irene. She's also had the surgery and has a room for rent. And she feels, Lindsay feels like she can stay there for a year. And she seems excited by that because a problem is solved. So by the time she gets to this third appointment, she she's living with Irene and Irene gives her a ride. She's confident she's going to have a big weight loss that day. And they, they cut to the commercials. No, they don't cut to the commercials. She's confident she's going to have a big uh, weight loss that day. And girl, she only lost 19 pounds. She's at 544. I screamed. And then there was like an emergency child amber alert abduction or some shit. And the TV cut off. And I was like, oh my God. What a doctor now. I have to wait and turn it back on. Um... And then I was thinking, do you know what I was thinking to myself? Because I would hate to get there and have all this disappointment, right? And have all this like, oh my God, what happened? And all that shit. So I was like, why didn't she weigh herself in between appointments? And I was like, Princess, you big idiot. Like, it's not like you can just go get a scale at that weight. You really have to like, you need a specialized scale. She probably can't weigh herself. Um... Anyway, Dr. Now comes in the room. She finally admits that she's not on the diet. Okay, yeah, we know, Lindsay. And she says she's going to change her eating habits. And Dr. Now says, yeah, you better because you're running out of town. And he says he's not going to approve her. He tells her he's making he's not making another appointment for her. She has to make the next appointment. He says he'll give her up the four months to lose weight. But for every four months, she he expects her to lose 35 pounds. And if she, But if she doesn't do it by four months, he's not going to approve her. <sighs> So, Lindsay goes back to Iowa to visit Paul. But she doesn't tell Paul she's coming. She don't tell Paul she didn't get the surgery either. She just shows up. And at this point, she's lost about 50 pounds since this all started. But it's not the progress she's out to do. And it's not enough to get the surgery. It's, it's embarrassing because you've been told, you know, it's embarrassing. 
when she walks in the house, he's like, holy shit, because he doesn't even expect her. And so she tells him what happened, and he doesn't think she can go She can go back to Houston. And he says, you have to. And this is when I thought we were going to break out with, like, he's moved somebody else in. But no, he's, like, a woman. Like, he's, he's seeing a woman. But no, he has a person, a friend that's moving in. He's just a buddy, so I'm assuming it's a man. Uh, you know, people don't call a woman friend a buddy like that. Um, but because she's not there, you know, and again, this is why I think Lindsay's on disability. Because I think that Lindsay, it, when Lindsay moves to Houston, Lindsay's disability goes with her, which means there's certain bills that he needs to pick up a slack on. And so he's saying that he, he's going to have somebody move in to take the slack up, like to, to help with the bills. He figured, um, Lindsay is big mad. She wants to come home and live there because she feels like a failure. She doesn't think Paul understands. I don't know. I feel like Paul's supportive, even though like, I feel like he's, he's, he's acting for the cameras, but he's being supportive. She said she was moving to Houston and he said he can't. So he figured out something with the fucking money. Um, she ends up staying there for a few weeks and when the roommate moves in, she leaves back to Houston. She says she's not going to stay there with a roommate. Why? You're staying with a roommate in Houston? Like, I, I personally think the best thing for Lindsay is to move to Houston. Move to Houston, get serious about the diet, um... Stay with the other girl who's been through this, who could be a helpful, like, diet buddy and exercise buddy. And just really focused on this so you can get this weight loss surgery. But if you don't want to, I also don't understand. Like, I get why you wouldn't want to. Because she doesn't think she, she doesn't think she can lose the weight. And then also, like, you're married to this dude. And now you guys are in a long distance marriage. And you just want to stay at home. I also get that, too. But I don't understand why a roommate moving in is the thing that means that you have to go back to Houston. So we see her cooking at Irene's house without a chair. She's standing up She's because she's lost some weightage and she's feeling a little better. And it looks like she's eating a ground beef patty without the bread and a salad. And the salad actually looks like it has some shit in it. So I just feel better off the bat. She and Paul are still doing okay, but she saw some alcohol purchases on the debit card. And when she skypes him, he's like, let's talk about whatever, you, you know, let's talk. She's like, we need to talk. And he's like, yeah, we need to talk. Let's talk about whatever you want to talk about. He is very phony on camera. Production was like, you need to do this call, blah, blah, blah. And he's like, oh, so you can talk to me about this purchases? Fine. I'm going to go on there and put on Showtime Paul. So they talk about it. He says... By the way, he's been buying 30 packs. I don't know that it says that on the debit card thing. But maybe she knows where he gets his 30 packs and she knows how much a 30 pack costs. I didn't know they made 30 packs. Um, He says he's been buying them to stockpile but not necessarily drinking them because he's drinking less. She calls it bullshit. Uh, She's like, she doesn't believe him. He has to do better. And they, the call ends with him calling her sweetie and saying it was a dark day until he saw her face and she smiled so hard at that and calls him a Casanova. Like, it feels fake. So she ends up going to Dr. Now for the fourth time 
And the last time he's going to let her go. And she's nervous, which makes, you know, she's alone. She has to be at 494 and she's at 517. She lost 82 pounds total and feels excited because she she's 23 more pounds. Well, she feels excited. But she's 23 more pounds and like more than where she needs to be. And he approves her for the surgery anyway. She's so happy. Dr. Now actually smiles at her. He looks like a goddamn Muppet, Muppet when he smiles. He looks like he should be hanging out with Kermit and Fozzie Bear. And she's... <laughs> oh, still, he, still, it was nice to see him like actually smile at her. Surgery's in two months and he wants her to lose another 40 pounds. She also needs an endoscopy. Endoscopy? Am I saying endoscopy? I think I'm saying that right. Um, if I'm not, don't tell me to make sure that she's not like the scar tissue. Right. So we get a scene of that, but I'm not someone who like goes up for like surgery scenes, which is probably why I'll never rewatch, um, Nip Tuck. I watched the first episode late, uh, recently and was like, Oh girl, was I watching all of this? It was a lot of shit happening in that fucking episode. Uh, and I don't mean like surgery stuff, but just like the storyline was like, damn, how long is this? This is an hour? What? All this shit's going to happen in an hour? But um, I just don't need the surgery uh, scenes, mostly because at best they're boring, at worst they're disgusting. Um, but yeah, he looks and she's got a lot of scar tissue and she needs her gallbladder out and all kinds of shit, but he still thinks that she can do it. That he can do it. It's gonna. He says it's a complicated surgery, but he still wants to do it. Um, a month later, her, her mother comes to visit her and more of her stuff so she can settle in more. And when she gets to the surgery, she's only lost 36 pounds, but doctor now goes forward with it, which if she, he was going to hold her up over those four pounds, I would have been very sad for her. Another surgery scene, didn't really look at it. Uh, so about a year into the process, she's down 183 pounds total. Um, uh, we see her at Planet Fitness. Um, she's back on solid foods cause you know, you can't like, there's a recovery process to it. So she's back on solid foods and she's working out. She and Irene are good workout buddies and she feels very confident. She's almost back to the 300s, which is exciting because she never got past that um, with the first surgery. And she's supposed to start psychotherapy soon because Dr. Now thinks he's telling her that like the same reason she failed the first time is the same reason she'll fail the second time unless she like works out this shit. Um... She and Paul are still together. He's doing well. He's going to start therapy at the same time she is. They want to start a family together. And so I look for the update of this because that was the end of the episode. Paul and Lindsay are still together. People don't like him because of that scene. Like, they hate him. But she appears to be in Houston and he's still in Iowa. And she's filming a Where Are They Now episode that she film come at the end of this year. Or at the beginning of next year. But she has a TikTok where, TikTok where you can get updates if you're willing to download TikTok. Woo! So that's the end of this one, guys. And I'll see you guys next week. Later.